So Pixar is Turning Red kind of just snuck in on Disney+, Plus, and I honestly probably would have missed out on watching it, except for all the dang controversy around the film. Targeting children. Very alarmed. Demonic. Given my love of pretty much all things Japanese or really Asian adjacent, I'm really glad that I did. This is an excellent movie that is so obviously inspired by the art style that I grew up enjoying that I could honestly just leave this movie muted and probably enjoy looking at it. You could just like feel the Ghibli oozing out of this one. But that's not enough. This movie has an incredibly important story to tell. And if you're missing the forest for the trees because your cousin's uncle's stepbrother twice removed told you that it's about a menstrual cycle, you're missing out on a story about growing up and understanding your family. Is this movie filled with metaphors and familial disrespect and kaiju monsters and self-discovery related to the Christian life? Well, yes, not really, definitely, and oh yeah. Let's talk about it. Folks, welcome to Checkpoint Church, where nerds, geeks, and gamers come together to talk about faith, games, and justice for Aaron T. Come on, every group needs a funny guy. I'm your nerd pastor, Nate, and if you like these weekly deep dives, be sure to sub, hit that bell, and find out when our next one drops. Folks, as always, we're going to be starting out with our scripture, as we do with all of these videos. This week's scripture is going to be coming from the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verses 12 through 17. I'm going to be reading from the NRSV. That's my preferred translation. Is what's going to be on the screen. But if you have one that you prefer to read, feel free to use that one instead. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I've called you friends, because I've made known to you everything that I've heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. Turning Red is the latest computer animated fantasy comedy film from the infamous Pixar Animation Studio in conjunction with distribution by Disney. It's set in Toronto, Ontario in 2002. Uh, we see Maylin May Lee, a 13-year-old Chinese-Canadian student who, due to a curse from her family lineage, transforms into a giant red panda when she expresses in a strong emotion. But that's just the, like, basic gist of the story. What Turning Red is ultimately about is our main character, May, growing up in a family with a rich and well-knit history. The viewer gets the closest look at the relationship between May and her mom, Ming. Ming seems to want to be typecast as a strict and overbearing helicopter mom, and she certainly does things that are too far. But I hope I'm not the only person that didn't actually feel like she was mentally insane. Like, this trope normally tends to typically represent this character as this just out-of-their-mind person. At the very least, I, I didn't find her to be incredibly toxic. She just had a real growing curve throughout the story. As a confident middle schooler, May is growing into her own self while trying to keep a healthy balance of respect for her family that has raised her so far. That is, until she learns about the curse uh, after a particularly unfortunate peep into her diary on her mother's behalf. That was probably the most awkward scene in most films I've seen. May has inherited the family curse that turns her into a giant red panda whenever she feels something very strongly. And this feels like an obvious conundrum and a thing that May would want to control. And thankfully, Ming, her mom, knows exactly how to do that for her daughter. All the females in the family go through the same process of capturing the emotive red panda into a talisman. It just has to be done on the same night as a red moon. 
So, May begins to wait for this night whenever she's able to do this, doing her best to control her emotions and contain the Red Panda for the time being. That's our A-plot, but our B-plot involves May and her besties, who are desiring to attend their first ever concert of the boy band Fortown. Ming, of course, refuses to pay for this concert, and so May begins to use her Red Panda as a means to an end, to raise money for her and her friends to sneak out and go to the concert anyway. The way that everything comes together and climaxes in the end is really fun and unexpected, and I highly recommend that you give it a watch to experience the Kaiju Panda for yourself, but for our purposes in this video, we have to really talk about the controversy behind the film, and specifically the controversy between these two people, Ming and May. Ming is an overprotective parent. May is a 13-year-old girl coming of age and trying to figure out how to deal with life. There's no doubt about those two things. Inevitably, these two are going to butt heads. This is just how this mother-daughter relationship works. And let me go ahead and tell you, as a dad to almost two daughters next month, I cannot wait but simply by butting heads does not a bad movie make. The arguments that go on between these two are nuanced and complex and not wholly rational or irrational, they just are. By the end of the movie, Ming has done a whole lot to both help and hurt her daughter May. May has done a lot of things that go above and beyond the level of consensual respect between a child and her parent, but she's also been disrespectful, like 13-year-olds are. Why? Because Human beings fail. I I'm not sure why that's such a controversy. Nothing about the relationship between these two is anything darker or more controversial than the evil relationship between Cinderella and her stepmother, or uh, Mother Gothel and Rapunzel. This is not new for kids' movies, folks. This is an important story that we've learned from for a long time. Now, what I'm not saying is that you're not allowed to feel uncomfortable during the story being told. A good story actually challenges the viewer to grow as a person as we witness our fictional characters going through growth as people. So, what kind of growth is happening here? Well, May learns that her mother's protectiveness is actually an outpouring from the brokenness in her relationship with her own mother. Ming hurt her mom, Wu, by giving in to her red panda persona at some point, and she spent an entire adulthood dealing and struggling with that weight. That weight then manifests into an over-obsession with the overachieving May who was happy to exchange attention for her good deeds. In this way, Ming and May have this parasitic relationship. Ming is a broken person using May as a crutch of a happy, perfect childhood that she wished she had had. May is also a broken person using her mother Ming for attention and expectation that she either felt out of obligation or in order to receive praise. Both of these are normal. Neither of them are wholly healthy. They're just things to be grown out of. By the end of the movie, May's rebellion ripped away the false reality that Ming had built for herself, that May was some carbon copy of her as a child without the trauma. Unable to handle that quick rip of a Band-Aid, she lashes out and she makes some really big mistakes. With a bit of help from some other red pandas nearby, May is finally able to calm down her mother and work through their trauma together. May decides that she is going to keep walking down the path she's chosen for herself, and Ming, in the end, finally realizes that she has to let her daughter go and live her life. And then the movie ends, and that might be the hardest part. Maybe that's the reason behind the reason for the controversy. We don't get to know how Ming and May are going to do when May gets her license, or when May has her first boyfriend, or when May goes to college. We don't get that, but we want it, because we know how hard it is as both parents or as kids who had people, broken people, that raised us but the movie doesn't give us that. Instead, it shows us the reconciliation and then lets us move on with that information into our own lives. The good news is that Jesus tells a very similar story 
that might lay things out for those of us not suffering from a giant red panda spirit passed down in our family lineage. Our scripture for this video is one of my very favorites, but it's also one that's caused me kind of a lot of trouble, specifically in like the last week. Christian or not, you've likely at least heard the quote, no one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. If you have your finger on the pulse of the Russian war in Ukraine, then you might have heard this exact scripture this past week when President Vladimir Putin used it to encourage that this war was a good war. In United Methodist Doctrine, we thankfully don't believe that any war is a good war. We certainly don't believe that the greater love Jesus was talking about has anything to do with the violence of human brokenness. In fact, the language that we often use in the church is that war is incompatible with the teachings of Jesus. So then, what is Jesus talking about? Well, I think it's actually more in line with the morals presented in Turning Red than in Putin's speech. This passage starts with a commandment from Christ that we will love one another as Christ loved us. Well, that begs the question, okay, how did Christ love us? Well, the greater love of Christ has no one than this, than one who would lay down their life for their friends. That should sound familiar. But that begs the question again, okay, so who are our friends? Well, Jesus says, you are my friends. Now, who is this you? Is it just the disciples that are gathered around him right at that moment? Some people might try to argue that. But I would say, no, a friend of Jesus is explained later. A friend of Jesus is someone who has taken on the livelihood of a servant, of a servant-hearted person, but has learned what the master is doing. And since knowing what the master is doing, has chosen to continue a life of service. Let's break this down. Jesus says to the disciples, love one another as I have loved you. Jesus's love is sacrifice and servanthood in knowledgeable friendship. That love then causes the next servant to enter into friendship. Because if we love as Jesus loved, as we're commanded to, then we're teaching and bringing people into the fold of friendship with Jesus Christ. Generation by generation, if we follow the commandment to love one another as Christ loved us, then we should be perpetuating that same cycle of love to the next one, and the next one, and the next one. And this love takes us from servanthood to friendship. By what means? Knowledge. Okay, so back to Turning Red. We have two histories being presented in this family. One is the history of the disastrous Red Panda curse. This one is rooted in fear and unknowing. It's a secret being kept between Ming and her mother Wu, who are afraid of something that happened a long time ago. And then there's the rich history of a family legend that's been carried down from one to the next. It's one of honoring the past, sharing the love and the strong, powerful emotions present in each one. The Red Panda wasn't a means of offense, but a prayer for the ability to defend the children of the family. It's not a curse, it's a gift. It's the emotions to want to protect one's family that this power emanates out of. Once that is honestly shared amongst the family, brokenness in the family is able to be healed. It no longer becomes a curse, but instead it becomes the gift that it was meant to be. A gift that each member of the family has the choice to reject or embrace because it's done in a way that allows for servanthood and humility. So what we have in this story is growth from one place to another. May grows from someone who serves her family into someone that begins entering into friendship with that family. Even Ming grows from a place of servanthood and guilt for her mother Wu into a place of friendship with her mother now that forgiveness has been offered and accepted. See, when we started this movie, I think there was love. That's why I think that the overprotective mother wasn't crazy problematic. Love was there. I really do believe that. But by the end of the film, there was a greater love. A love that rose above the violence of untruth, of secrets, of guilt, of pain, denial, expectation. A love greater than all of those things. A love that mirrors the love 
Jesus offers and commands of us. We're called directly by Jesus in this passage to rise above all of that garbage and to live like servants until those people that we are loving become like servants. Learn why we're servants and then enter into friendship with us in the body of Christ. That is what the church is at the end of the day. That is why we don't proclaim once save, always save. It's a complete change. And we're entering into something new and greater, a greater relationship with others in holy community. And that's what we're doing at Checkpoint Church. It's why we pray for each other daily. It's why we're always hanging out in the Discord and encouraging one another in the Twitch chat. We're serving one another. And if you quite aren't there yet, if you're still just being served by Checkpoint, that's okay. We're going to keep serving you until you enter into the knowledge of why we serve and then you enter into a place of holy friendship with Jesus Christ. So, whether you're in a boy band, an actual red panda, or if you're still just struggling through those middle school years, know that you are always welcome here at Checkpoint Church. Folks, thanks so much for watching these videos. I so appreciate you taking time out of your day to join us on these weekly nerdy deep dives. If you want more of Checkpoint Church right here, right now, be sure to join us over on Twitch every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or 24-7 over on our Discord server. We always have cool stuff going on on the Discord. It's one of my favorite places to be. Highly recommend doing that. I'll link both of those down below. Hey, quick question for you. Which Four Down member is your favorite? And just go ahead and be honest with me. Why is it Aaron T? Because we know it is. He's fuzzy. He's a funny one. Come on. Don't say Phineas. Folks, with that, we're going to end this video as we always do with our three things we believe true about every single one of you out there. We believe that number one, God loves you. Number two, we love you. Number three, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, and until the next time that I see you, I hope that you have a wonderful rest of your day, and I hope to see you either on our Twitch, on our Discord, or right here, same time, same place, for our weekly nerdy sermon next week. Until then, bye-bye! If you're having if you're having a bad self-worth day, low self-worth, just annihilate a child in Mario Kart. <laughs> ah, no! That's forever. That's forever on the internet.